I've been thinking recently about the fact that the New Testament especially is cognitively incoherent. Or in other words, uh, it's possible to make a lot of different arguments from a lot of different angles and make them make sense if you try hard enough. And I suspect that God allowed the New Testament to be written in this way intentionally in order to avoid us getting trapped in uh, what happened with the Old Testament in terms of law and the absolute uh, rigid nature of of rules to follow and things to believe. Uh, and there is a proverb that says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and it is the glory of kings to search it out. And I suspect that that is what has happened with the New Testament. People always say things along the lines of, you know, the Bible clearly says this or that. And that's almost never true. Rarely does the Bible clearly say things. Um, and regarding, you know, larger points. Obviously, there's individual verses which do seemingly clearly convey messages. Love one another and so forth. But uh, regarding bigger topics like you know, the end times or judgment or all of these kind of things, it is really not uh, as cut and dry as people often try to make it seem. I can make a lot of different arguments for a lot of different things from a lot of angles and they'll all make sense if I try hard enough. And I think the reason God has made it this way is so that we do not, so that we, you know, don't rely on words more than we rely on the Spirit of God. Because the Pharisees, they'd memorized the Old Testament. And yet when Jesus walked past them, they didn't recognize him. Now, when we read the, the New Testament, we need to do it with the Spirit of God. Or we're going to miss God. And you can see this in, in certain denominations where they've become more bearers of superstition than they are people who have a relationship and communion with a spirit. And I suspect that our ability to have communion with a spirit is an art form or a practice that is lost, especially in Western countries. I've spent time living in India and in Nepal and those places, and, and these people know how to to commune with spirits. I don't think that they commune with, you know, obviously the Christians there do, but I don't think the majority of these religions commune with the Holy Spirit, but they commune with spirits of some sort. And they know how to do it. They know how to enter that place of consciousness of the spiritual realm and engage with the spirits and even meet with them and talk with them and receive information from them. They know how to subject their their body and their soul to these spirits and, you know, engage. And they are demonic spirits, but uh, just seeing the way these people present themselves in their temples and hearing the way they worship. I remember one time in India, there was an eight-day period where from four in the morning, five in the morning, these Hindu temple uh, priests would wake up and begin worshipping their Hindu gods at the loudest possible volume that their massive speakers would go. And, you know, this Hindu temple was probably half a kilometer away, maybe even a kilometer away. 
and it was so loud. This worship that they had going on was so loud at five o'clock in the morning that the windows of my bedroom were shaking (laughs) from it. And it would go for 18 hours a day. And we weren't given a notice as to when it was going to end, you know. So after seven days of it, we're just hoping, all right, hopefully it was just like a week-long worship session at this Hindu temple. And then you wake up on the eighth day and they're doing the same thing again. You're like, oh my gosh, like when is this going to end? Unfortunately, for us, it was only eight days. Um, But all of this is to say that these Hindu priests or these, you know, uh, leaders or these spiritual people from other religions, they know how to go hard after their God. But in the Western world, at least, I can, I can only comment on, you know, Australia personally, because that's where I live. I, I don't see people going after communion with the Spirit with the same intensity. We, we take the words of the Bible and we say that is good enough. We take these principles that appear in written words that are lifeless by themselves and we say, this will do. And we settle with that and we discuss theology and we discuss the points that the Bible is making without engaging with the, the Holy Spirit that wrote these words and giving ourselves to prayer and subjecting our bodies to God in fasting, speaking in tongues. Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says to pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. I don't, I don't know many people that do that. He said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Now, that is just one way that Paul was praying in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. But if he's calling us to imitate him as he imitates Christ, and he's spoken tongues more than all of the Corinthian church, then we ought to be people that are speaking in tongues at all times and on every occasion more than, you know, in a friendly competition manner, maybe, more than anybody around us. We ought to be those who are praying and allowing our spirit to commune with God through the speaking of tongues and giving ourselves to diligently praying and allowing ourselves to hear from God and experience God and encounter Him to make these dead letters of of Scripture come alive and have meaning and make sense and become coherent in our minds and in our understanding and in our lives. And I would say that it is a quality that is lacking from Western Christianity. People that give themselves to communion with the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, I invite you to join me in being those people. Let's give ourselves to having communion with God. Now, I don't mean communion is in taking the, the body and the blood. I mean entering into the the holy of holies in our awareness of the nearness of his presence and of his voice and knowing him in Jesus' name.